What is happening, everybody? What is shaking? What's going down? Thank you for tuning in to the Dan Cable Presents podcast once again. Thank you for tuning into the program if it's your first time. We've got episode 76 in store for you in just a few moments. But some uh, important words, some words I can't stress enough. If you'd like to help out and support this show in a free way, you're already listening to it on your phone probably. Just go ahead and click subscribe on the Dan Cable Presents podcast on iTunes. Click subscribe. Click write a review. Give it five stars. Say a few nice words. You know, if you want to keep it short and sweet, just a line, that's cool. Or if you want to write a love letter to me or the show, that's that's also acceptable. So um, a very important way to, to help support the show and also get it into uh the chat the the charts there the top of the the itunes charts and help others find the show that maybe wouldn't normally find out about it if you want to support it in other ways you can you can share your favorite episode via social media twitter instagram facebook whatever share one of your favorite videos from the dan cable presents youtube channel um big ups to vortex magazine always supporting the show and uh, providing a platform to do these wonderful video premieres. Uh, We just dropped the Shannon Entropy one recently, so check that out. A uh, a Hammerhead premiere is uh, on its way, but yeah, just dropped some new videos there this week. uh, Another Some Aliens video from the Secret Society show back on April 1st is up look forward to rashid jamal videos coming at you soon as well as tribe mars videos from that night and a documentary that will come out very soon here um yeah other than that then you know thank you for for tuning in uh the the support is much appreciated as we uh you know the next milestone is 100 and I'm, i'm trying to uh get get together a real fine program for you but until then, we've got, you know, about 25 episodes in between, and we've got some real good ones coming at you, including this one. Uh, how about some calendar dates? If you're listening to this on release day, September 15th, got a Dan Cable Presents po- uh, program going down. Not a podcast, but just a, a bill that I put together down there at the Mississippi Pizza. We've got uh, Isabeau, who was on episode 65 and just crushes it. If you haven't seen those videos, check them out or check out that episode. One of my favorite chats. Um, also, Salvatore Manalo, a good friend of mine, will uh, be middling that one with his band. Evan Knapp and Danny Fry, I believe, will be uh, you know his band that, that night. And then headlining the show, if you have not seen them yet, this is your opportunity to see Maxwell Cabana, one of my favorite bands in town right now. He's these guys really crush it, and uh, Murray, their singer, just has a really killer voice. All these people, all the singers, just a killer night of of incredible voices going down at Mississippi Pizza Pub. Um, and then September 16th, 
super stoked for Larissa Birdseye's album release, her first official release. Um, and she's got a, a stacked lineup there with Brahmin and friends of the show Camp Crush. Also on that bill, that's at the Fremont Theater, so September 16th. Check that out. Um, and then I would also like to uh, point your attention to these following shows because all of these bands are going to be featured, or bands or artists are going to be featured on this episode. Uh, Anna Tivill, she is uh, at the Alberta Street Pub on September 22nd. It is her uh, record release show with Taylor Kingman. Taylor Kingman crushes. Check that show out. It's going to be dope. Um, and then Jeffrey Martin also will play a song from Jeffrey Martin and he is uh, on October 14th he's at the Wildwood Hotel in uh, Wilhelmina, Oregon and October 27th he's at the Alberta Street Pub for his record release show and uh, the Parson Redheads who we're going to kick it off with on this episode is uh, September 30th at Mississippi Studios all these people are incredible, and you're about to hear songs from them throughout this lovely episode. Episode 76, I got to hang out with John Shepsky and Chad Lanning of uh, Fluff and Gravy Records. Uh, these guys started this label about 60 years ago, and um, they have an incredible roster and really have a nice variety of music on there. So all the artists we're going to feature... Uh, the Parson Redheads, Jeffrey Martin, Anna Tivill, all of them are part of the Fluff and Gravy fam. And, uh, yeah, we kind of talk about a couple of those artists, and we, we got into the history of Fluff and Gravy and how it got going and whatnot. Uh, just a really fun chat with these guys out in uh, John's backyard. He was kind enough to have me over, and I got to see the Fluff and Gravy uh, studio, which was very cool and yeah, just some some very welcoming folks, and we had a good time, lots of laughs on this one. Um, it was fun to watch John and Chad kind of reminisce on um, the story of how this thing all got going and, and just how it's progressed. So um, I will put all the links um, for Fluff and Gravy records in the uh, the show notes and whatnot, so um, you can you can find them there. Um, other than that, I think we should probably go ahead and get uh, get this episode rolling. This is uh, episode 76, Fluff and Gravy Records. We're going to kick it off with a song by the Parson Redheads. This is off their most recent album, and this song is called Coming Down.
And John, Fluff and Gravy Records. Hello. What's happening? Hello, hello. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me today. Um, we just kicked off the, the episode with a uh, Parson Redhead song, which uh, is a band that is part of the Fluff and Gravy Records family. And uh, it's called Coming Down. Uh, very cool tune off their, their new record that came out this year. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely want to dive into uh, kind of the history and background on on Fluff and Gravy Records, but I thought it would be kind of fun to uh, get to know where you guys come from and, and kind of your background in music before this thing started. So, Chad, I don't know if you want to start since you got the mic in your hand. Just uh, yeah, what is your? Re- <laughs> I look like it. Man. What is I really your, do. <laughs> what was your relationship with music prior to Fluff and Gravy Records? Well, starting? being a bass player in bands for gosh, I guess 20 years at that point, you know, I don't know. I just always been a lover of music. I've always been a musician as long as I've had hands to play something. Um, and I just, uh, <laughs> yes, Ernie, I agree. We got Ernie. <laughs> Ernie's contributing to this podcast. <laughs> no, I, I always, always been a lover of music. Um, and, uh, when John approached me to let's start a record label, I was like, no, that's the worst idea ever. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, we always have that that stereotypical uh, view of what a record executive is. And, you know, as a musician, you're you're just, you're brought up, that's that's the enemy of some sort. Absolutely. So I, I, when you offered uh, to start a business with me, a record label, I, I turned you down twice. Because right. <laughs> I was like, this is ridiculous. But then uh, John started looping me in on emails uh, that he was uh, having with a manager of a band and the band, and I I was hooked from from the go. It was because I realized like it, it's applying all the skills that I had accrued over the years of being in a band, going to school for music and music industry and stuff like that, and I'm like, oh, this this actually makes complete sense to me. Of course, I did have to look up on Wikipedia later what a record label was. And what they did, but you know, that was like six months in, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I feel like, um, yeah, being in the position of being in bands and and having that experience is so so key in dealing with artists in general. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, I grew up playing in bands as well, and spent a lot of time doing that whole thing. And I feel like that has given me so much perspective on on dealing with artists whether they're you know coming through the the studio for the podcast and having these types of conversations or uh just booking shows and and just mm-hmm. trying to always have that like artist first mentality yeah. right. you yeah. know and just understanding the importance of that and it's it's definitely benefited me in in my first venture of of managing a band and, and kind of what that yeah. looks like because i had no idea <laughs> when somebody <laughs> asked me if I wanted to be the manager of a band like yeah, absolutely. Why yeah. not? <laughs> not? I've yeah. never done it before, I but that. I feel like I could apply some things. Yeah. Um, what about you, John? When did when did the uh, the music bug infect you? Well, I mean, I've I've played music pretty much for my whole life, and my parents started me on violin lessons when I was three for some reason because neither one of my parents is particularly interested in music. <laughs> so, I didn't grow up around music, but I started playing, you know, violin lesson, violins at age three, and then moved to piano by by seven. And um, uh, by the time I was getting into high school, um, I had picked up guitar and started to join bands, and it just kind of took off from there. Um, the label really kind of started first off as a just kind of like a one-off vehicle to um, put out a, a demo for a band that Chad and I were in called Whistle Punk. And um, we, you know, we, we recorded our demo and we put the package together and we're like, it should have the name of a record label on the back or something. And so that was where that came from. At the, at the same time, I was playing in a band called Drunken Prayer. Um, 
and uh, Morgan Gear, who essentially is drunken prayer, and then there's this rotating cast of musicians that kind of supports him. But um, he had finished up recording uh, his record called Into the Mission Field and um, had really kind of went all out on the recording. And I was asking what we were going to do with the record when it came out. And he's like, I don't even know how I can afford to get the thing printed. And um, I thought about it a little bit and came to him not too long later and said, you know what? Um, I've, I've got um, a fake record label and I'll put that in and, um, and maybe it's time to make that th- make this a real record label and I can put your record out. And um, Morgan was excited about it and I talked to Chad and as he said, a few times of talking and a, a little bit of whiskey at, uh, where, where, where were we at? We were at the uh, Kenton Club, of course. Of course. <coughs> Famous Kenton Club here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of whiskeys at the Kenton Club and... Um, and that, uh, that that sealed the deal. Yeah. When did you uh, when did you and Chad link up? So this is almost six years ago now. Um, our first release was uh, November of 2012, and um, no, November of 2011. And uh, the we really started the work for the record label. I, I think we probably we probably started to work together probably in September of that year or something like that. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's going on. Um, it's going to be six years probably this month. Yeah. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. It's October. It's nice. Right before, right before Halloween. Cause I remember, I, I remember I, I, uh, the Halloween of 2011, I, you oh. know, I was just all just, so I actually carved a pumpkin that said fluff and gravy in the front. That's why I know it was, it, it was in October. So yeah, we're, Probably one month away from six years. Did uh, and you probably didn't get any trick or treaters that year. The <laughs> no one saw your like, work. Oh, no, you're not going to that house. <laughs> None. <laughs> what did the uh, what did the num- the name? I don't usually do like band names, but where right. where does where does the fluff and gravy name come from? <laughs> so I love the reaction from Chad right away. This this has to be good. Well, so the, so so no. <laughs> This is why I don't ask band names because it's usually not a good story. But I went, I went there this time. Change it up, right? So it was, you know, it was uh, the 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 phrase "fluff and gravy" came up came about on a. It was a drunken night. Our band was playing at um, Dante's. Dante's Whistle Punk was playing at Dante's, and I'll I'll just start this story off, and I'll tell you the way that I remember it. <laughs> Chad remembers it a different way. And uh, the probably the least reliable account is from his wife, who was sober oh, at the time, sober. which automatically <laughs> negates her from being a reliable witness. That's awesome. So, she doesn't count. Sober people, what are you doing with those? So you could ask Chad and I and or Juniana, and we'd all, have, we'd all tell you something different, I, I think. <laughs> But the core of the story, and, and by the way, Juniana is also a part of Fluff and Gravy. Chad and I run the label side, and his wife, Juniana, and I run the studio. Um, and they're kind of separate but integrated, integrated parts of the business. But uh, so, so anyway, so um, we're coming home from the gig at Dante's, and uh, thankfully, Juniana, who was sober, so pretty sober, like sober, sober. That's why she doesn't. That's a good way to drive, everybody. That's why we we can't trust her. (laughs) It's a good way, usually. Public service announcement, (laughs) right? So, 
Drunken we're driving, driving we're still driving not home cool. Even in Trump's America, it's still not, still still not still cool. Not <laughs> we're we're driving home from uh from the from the show, and and it had been a night, you know. Oh, it had been <laughs> really good night. <laughs> and uh, so we're all in the back seat, and just kind of just being idiots, and yeah, so that Kip. and and uh, oh, our friend Kip Kip was in Whistle Punk with us, and Kip's a legend in his own right. <laughs> so. So we finished up the show and we're driving back, and there was something like Drunken Prayer also had a show that night, I think, and it was either yeah. you or Kip or somebody's yeah. like, what the hell do you do with Drunken Prayer anyways? <laughs> <laughs> and and the way I remember it, I said, well, that's just the thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's fluff and gravy. I played, I did background vocals and played acoustic guitar, and I'm like... If I'm there, it's great. If I'm not, it doesn't matter. It's fluff and gravy. And is that so? Is that somewhat okay. accurate? All right. Oh, so here's here's, here's Chad's account of what, what actually happened. Right, everybody, that night. sit down. That one okay. drunken night. Now, the the only variation on that is uh, when when you you said fluff and gravy in separate statements because Kip asked the question twice because of course drunk Kip is going to ask oh, a right. question twice. But and the first time I was just fluff, and then about five minutes later. It was this, I'm just gravy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what was it, about a week or maybe even more later, when we were, we were having a Facebook discussion with Whistlepunk in the band, Brian Stowe is in the band, Kip is in the band, what should we call the, the record label? Right. And, and we're just all shooting out stupid, somebody's dick, this and that. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then I put fluff and gravy. Put, putting the two together of what John had said. That's uh, my account and my sober wife's account, so it doesn't count. It's profound. <laughs> it's profound. No, that's That's solid. probably that's pretty solid. close to what, what, what they, where that came from. So <laughs> you got the, the, first, the first release going. With, it was... Uh, yeah, so the first release, so the first full length with, it was Into the Mission Field, and that, I believe, was February of 2012. But before that, um, we put out a christmas seven inch um in november of 2011 with drunken prayer as well okay um was there a lot of intent with what you were doing initially or was it oh. kind of just like this fly by the seat of the pants <laughs> like <laughs> i want to start this level <laughs> this label yeah right no my i mean my intent was to i don't know my my intent was to j just to hang out with my friends and make music and there was no like um there was no plan we had no idea how to do this. <laughs> um, John borrowed me a book. Yeah, that's right. There was a book. It wasn't how to run a record label. Yes, Just read this literally, book. Literally, the title was how to run a record label. Right. <laughs> and so, that's awesome. And of course, it was written about the record industry in like the '90s, so none of it applied. Record label for dummies. And, right. Yeah. 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 Um, John, what made you? Was it just from like playing in whistle punk together? that made you want to involve Chad in this project? Or was there something that you like thought Chad would bring to the table um, with this project? Well, I mean, so, I mean, first of all, you know, we were playing in a band together and, and I already knew that I liked hanging out with Chad and that we could work well together. Um, but the, I'm, I, I like to jump in, without thinking about it and just do something. It's what I've done. That's what I've done with everything my whole life. It's how I ended up in Portland. Um, you know, I bought a Volkswagen bus and didn't know anything about 
cars and and ended up restoring the thing and restoring the engine from scratch and i'd never done anything other than change a flat tire before and um you know i built this garage that we're sitting in front of and i had never done anything like that before i just like to do things without thinking about it or knowing anything about it right yeah. and so like I, I i tend to make a lot of gut decisions um i i rather than um thinking about it first and chad um if if I can say so, is is gener- generally a pretty pretty methodical and tends to think things out, and um, so my hope was that he would be the voice of reason here, <laughs> that, which that obviously did not work. <laughs> hey, look at us! Look at us! That's excellent. So yeah, I mean, I you know I think uh, you know I like I said yeah I you know we already had a good relationship and I knew we could work well together, but I also felt like he might ground me a little bit. Um, and he tries provide some rationale he, he every tries, once in a while, and then I always come up with some reason why I should just do what I want to. <laughs> <laughs> and poor Chad, he's like, um, "Dude, you asked me." Yeah. <laughs> But then uh, I I, I do have to say to every enabler. yeah yeah well exactly <laughs> every time where I have you know pumped the brakes and whatnot what John's vision has been has always come into good fruition I can't think of a single instance where it was like okay this was a genuinely bad idea you know I just again back to the methodical thing methodical yeah um, about it you know I, I'm glad John jumps because I am too careful. You know, I, and and it, it's a good balance. It's a good balance. No, that's super important. I so. mean, music music for me is is about emotion, anyways. It's not about um, thinking something out. Mus- music is about emotion and what feels good and what feels right. And sometimes, you know, you can figure out the rest of it along the way if you're passionate about the music. And whether it's your own music or whether it's one of the bands on our label, you know, um, that's one thing I think that that um we bring to the table is that we're we're passionate about we're doing what we're doing we're selecting music and people that we're passionate about working with yeah you're not just seeing dollar signs and like i'd love to see some dollar signs (laughs) that would be amazing yeah i I hear you but that's not like you're not like hoping that you know like bringing on artists and hoping that they're gonna like make this top 40 hit and like put that together Exactly. Like necessarily. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that we have a little bit of a, somewhat of a hands-off approach, I think most of our artists would tell us, um, or tell you. Um, we're working with people because we like what they're doing. Um, and I don't understand why somebody would start working with an artist and tell them, okay, now I want you to do, to do this and change your sound a little bit and do this. Um, I. You know, I mean, I mean, certainly we we offer advice when when our musicians need it or ask for it or are wondering how to take the next step. But I don't want to make any artistic decisions with our bands. Yeah. Um, And I guess now six years in and everything's a little more established and from being born out of that just that initial idea, just like, what the hell? Let's let's just like put this record out for for some friends. Um, How like what is the. What does Fluff and Gravy function as now, like as a label, and like what is its purpose now? I guess for for the artists. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a legit question. I mean, a lot of people um, feel like you don't really need a record label nowadays. I mean, you can you can easily do a lot of the things that we do, um, and that's then that's really pretty correct for 
for um for a lot of bands um that they don't need a record label and um but once you become a full-time musician and you're out there touring and on the road all the time it's really hard to do the day-to-day stuff um you know you're you're out there playing shows and writing music and you know collaborating with other musicians and then you know while you're driving from you know sioux falls to bloomington or something like that you have to be thinking about well i need to probably reach out to this newspaper and i can't forget to return this phone call and oh my god i haven't mailed out records that my you know fans have ordered and all that stuff right so so once you're a full-time musician and a touring musician it becomes very hard to do a lot of the logistical stuff and um I mean, I think that's where a label comes in handy. We're a home base. Um, we run the press campaign. We run the radio campaign. We do all the mailing. Um, we um, certainly, over the past six years, have been building more and more connections, and we can help hook our bands up with certain, certain you know, either, either gigs or other musicians or bands or things like that. Um, and then even beyond that, I think one of the things that a record label should be doing and it's certainly something that record labels used to be known for is they were kind of i almost hate using this word but they were kind of curators of music right like they they picked out music that they knew that their fan base they they worked with bands that they knew that there was a group of people that would be into right like you know my favorite record label was merge and you know i could go into a record store and if that thing said merge on the back it didn't matter if i didn't know that band's name i knew what that record was going to be like and I knew that I wanted it, you know? And so I think that, especially now with me, it's so easy to put out a record. It's so easy to record a record. There's more music out there than ever. But that also means that there's a lot to weed through and to get through. And I see the role of a record label as kind of a curator. Um, and I'm so happy to, to, to see like when, when we get um, somebody who orders music directly from us and they order three different records that are totally different stylistically. And I'm like, this, that's right. That, that's how this works. Like, you know, you're trusting that we've got your back here, yeah. you know? So you guys handle pretty much everything for the artists as far as like distribution and, and like tour booking and so, so we, yeah. So well. we work directly with the distributor. We don't do any tour booking. Um, we, we generally have bands, bands are generally on their own for that. Okay. Um, it's, um, I mean, you know, we're working with, we've got over 20 bands on our label now, and certainly some are more active than others. But with Chad and I um, essentially running the label solo, and Chad's also got a full-time job beside that, it's just there's no way that I could keep up with booking, or that we could keep up with booking for for even our active touring bands, which is probably eight or nine, Yeah, you know? It's just, that's almost a full-time job on its own. Yeah, absolutely. So our, our musicians still um, are responsible for their own booking and things like that. But we try to handle we try to handle the rest of it so that they don't have to think about it. Yeah, and I would imagine also having that, that roster of artists, that, that community in its own is, is helping maybe each other even make those connections on the road and is helpful to one sure, another. Sure, yeah, that's the idea. And sometimes, you know, we've even signed an artist based on the fact that, oh my God, I'll bet you that person would be great to tour with this person. And, oh, man, this person has these connections. This person has these connections. This will be great if we can get these two of these guys together, you know. One of the things that I've always been tickled pink about is when uh, um, our artists get together on, like, the East Coast. 
play a show in Asheville, like Drunken Prayer will get together at the Harm Brothers, and you see it pop up on Facebook or Instagram or something like that. It just, every time I'm like, how cool is that? These two bands would never know each other it, by normalcy, and, and but here they, because we're part of a family, hopefully they consider it that way, that's how that gig got booked, and yeah, and it's really cool to see. Every time I see it, I, I just kind of smile inside. I really like that. Oh, that's cool that it brings you that joy, mm-hmm. you know, like. I'm sure that's not a lot of, you know, record executives aren't <laughs> like feeling that that sort of joy when they see that type yeah. of stuff, you know, so it's nice to like see that connection and have have that feeling. Yeah. Um cool. This is probably like a solid spot for a little musical break here. I'd love it. I think we're going to yeah, we're going to put up uh, a song from the new Anatival record. Fantastic. Which is uh, called Illinois. When does this record come out? It'll be coming out on September 29th. Awesome. This is uh, Anna Tibble with Illinois. Underneath the heavy sky, the highway shines. A razor blade cutting down to bone. Nothing left to do but hold the wheel and drive. The dark of night, the dim light. Miles of waiting for a gentle touch, a kind believing word. All the way from Illinois, and not one to be heard. Tell me all the ways to make a day go by.
talk to me about uh, what what was so special about Anna when when you uh, oh my gosh. came across her. <laughs> that's a that's <laughs> that a loaded a question. question. Anna is, is just one of the most I don't know. Anna's one of the most genuine people that I've ever met. From the from from her feet to her head, you know, she's just she just emanates authenticity. She's so genuine and authentic, and um, ev- everything about her is just wonderful. She's a wonderful musician. She um, just has a wonderful and caring soul. Um, during the recording of her first record with us, which is called Before Machines, one of the things that we did is we traded uh, babysitting time for some re- for some studio time That's with her. Awesome. Our kids are so in love with her. Um, uh, um, she's got a way of looking at the world and processing it and being able to articulate that through her music that I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever seen in a, in a musician or an artist or a poet. Um, it's, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's, she's, she's got a style that's all her own and just a way of verbalizing things that, um, verbalizing emotions that, um, I didn't even know I had, (laughs) you know? Um, do you have anything to add about Anna? (laughs) My, I guess, uh, to add to that and just to get, give a little bit of a story. The first time I met Anna was on stage. I was playing with, uh, two members of, uh, Sarsaparilla, Kevin and Naima and uh, we were playing down at Al's Den, and they're just like, we're going to have a guest musician come up tonight. I'm like, oh, great. You know, and I'm playing upright bass, and here comes this violin fiddle player. And I was standing next to her on stage, and I just, I'm like, this is incredible. Who is this person? Because I didn't know her from a hole in the ground before that. I, I couldn't believe what, was, what I was experiencing. I mean, I've been on stage with a lot of musicians, but something was striking me about her. And then in between set in between the the our sets uh, she did a set and i was i had rarely that rapt attention to a performance and then to find out like here she comes along to us by fate by by circumstance a year or so later i, w- I was absolutely beside myself happy with with that while that ended up hello chickens <laughs> <laughs> so so she actually some, like approached you guys about well, so so the way that that all came about was, um, oh my gosh, this is a whole story unto its own. This is going to become like a four-hour podcast here. That's all right. We we have no time constraints. On Wonderful. This podcast. It's my favorite part about it. So, um, just by really the the stroke of luck and the and the fate was meeting um, uh, Matthew Collin, who was. Um, was is i'm talking about him like he's dead (laughs) he's in the southern hemisphere hemisphere. so he and his um his partner um simone were touring uh they're they're australian and um they got um work uh visas i believe up in canada and they wanted to travel through the u.s before they're uh before they had to get to canada which is like in november and so they flew to the U.S., I believe, in the spring and just started playing, you know, just started um, meeting people and, and meeting musicians and playing with musicians and things like that. And, and Jack Wilson, who is another one of, uh, one of the first artists that we worked with, um, is based down in Austin. And uh, he 
sent me a message about, um, hey, you know, um, these guys are going to come up through Portland in their van, and um, they're just looking to hang out and make some music and and meet people on their way up to Canada. And um, I mostly ignored it because, <laughs> not because I wanted to ignore it, because I'm always like, oh, it's, <sighs> I'm a little bit of a social recluse, which is hard to believe because this is where all the big parties happen, right? Um, it's always it's always easier for me to have to just hang out at my own house and hang out with people versus go out and meet somebody. So it's, that's always anxiety provoking for me. So I mostly was like, yeah, okay, whatever. <coughs> and um, <clears throat> my wife Jennifer and I were um, out on a rare date night, and uh, it just so happened that Matthew and Simone were coming through town that night, and they were playing a show. I'm like, we should go and check it out. And they were playing a free show, um, and um, we went and um, were swept up with Matthew and Simone, and we talked to them a little bit afterwards. And um, they said, uh, we don't really have any plans for tonight, and would you mind if we parked your van, parked our van outside your house? I'm like, oh, man, yeah, follow us back home. We'll have a few drinks. We'll play some music. Sat around the fire here and, you know, um, as, as dawn was breaking, they went to their van and we went inside and, um, they ended up leaving here, uh, in November and that was like, um, April. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they became a part of the family essentially and, and a part of the Portland music scene. Um, and, uh, one of the things we did that summer is we went to the Wildwood Music Festival and I believe that this was the second Wildwood or the, f- it was, well, <laughs> there was a private, a somewhat private Wildwood first. So this, the first big Wildwood. Um, and uh, we saw Jeffrey Martin play. And um, I remember sitting on the blanket with my wife watching him play. And I turned to Jennifer and I said, this is the kind of motherfucker that makes you want to stop writing music. Because what is the point? <laughs> what is the point anymore? <laughs> Um, and Matthew, um, is just so outgoing. And so Matthew's a magnet, you know, and he went and started talking to Jeffrey, um, who was also friends with Anna at the time. And, um, about a month later, he brought them over to the fire here as we were having one of our fire pit parties and, um, we just became good friends. And, um, we all just loved what Anna did and what Jeffrey did. And Chad and I had talked about, man, wouldn't it be great to put their records out, you know? And I'm not, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to push. I don't like to hound people. You know, I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, you know, bugging people to, oh, dude, we should put out your record, man, you know? So I just said to both Jeffrey and Anna, you know, look, I, I have no idea what, what you guys have planned, but, just know that if you're ever at a point where you want to work with somebody, work with a record label, that we would love to do this with you. And I'll never mention this to you again, but just know that this is, we would love to work with you. And then about a year or more later, um, both Jeffrey and Anna came up and were like, you know, we should do this. That's rad. They are definitely, uh, yeah, they both seem to be incredibly special songwriters, and and we're gonna play it out a little bit later with uh, one of the yeah. new Jeffrey Martin tunes. Um, do you find that that it's different with each artist as far as the ones that you bring into the Fluff and Gravy family, as far as the thing that that really grabs you about them? I think, and that's one of the 
the coolest things about this, I think, is just that each and every one not only has their own story, their own musical story, but their own own personal story. And you get to know people in this circumstance, the way this is constructed, whether it's artificial or natural, in a way that is truly, truly incredible. Because you're working on an artistic level, but you're also working on a business level. And each and every person who's walked into this house or people who we've signed without even seeing them, it's been a unique experience and and just... uh, it comes back to one time I was buying a, a bass pedal from this guy right right when I said yes to John. And uh, he's like, so what do you do? And I was like, I guess I just started a record label with a friend. And he, he said, you will meet the most incredible people. And that was all he had to say about it. And now I know exactly what he means. And, and um, it, to bring it back around to your original question, I, I think that that's, that, that's the... It, each and every one is so radically different. Even if the music is the same, their personal story could be completely different. And they're, it it's always just draws you in, like a good novel, I guess. Yeah, it's, that's kind of been the most exciting part of, of doing this podcast for me. Is uh, like We've had so many good bands and artists and come through to, to do the show, like whether in studio or just doing kind of chats like this and... It's just so fun to like be able to connect with the the community around you. You know, it just gives you a different a different sense of those people, and to like get to spend some time with them and then go to their shows. It feels like there's this different attachment to it. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, everybody's got their own story, um, but the thing is, like, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do is consciously. Um, put out music that's on the surface very different. We get we tend to get pegged as like an Americana label, and frankly, I don't even know what that means. Like, and so like I try not to use the term because I don't. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it means. Um, we work with a lot of folk artists. Um, we've got straight up rock and roll. We've got you know, dirty, filthy garage rock with hong kong banana we got the parson redheads who you know are just beautiful psych pop you know um or at least that's what i would call it that's um it's actually one of the things that i hate the most is being like well what kind of music does this band play oh yeah but so you know it's it's so diverse but i really feel like the thing that brings it all together is that we've very consciously worked with artists who are just genuine people. I, I like to call call them organic people. Like you know, there's this person is is you know what you see is what you get. There's not like some act on stage and then off stage there's somebody else. You know. Yeah, I mean that that definitely seems like the most important part at this point is just making sure that you're working with people that you enjoy being around and and not just somebody that is a good artist. You know, like it right. does, I don't know. It just doesn't seem. Especially in a world now where everything is so transparent and, like, everybody, I think, wants to, like, know who they're listening to as well as what they're listening to. It just seems like there's, I don't know, there's no time to, to deal with shitty people, yeah. you know, if you don't have right. to. And, like, 
I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be the attraction to do Fluff that. and gravy, we weed out the shitty people for you. <laughs> right. Should be our tagline. Good music, good people. <laughs> um, yeah, how do you guys uh, collectively make decisions about who you bring onto the family? Is it usually a joint thing or... Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we definitely talk a lot about who we're going to be working with and how to move forward with that. Um, the, the, the fluff and gravy emails from like, you know, the main fluff and gravy address go directly to me. So I get, um, and it's, and it's really funny because we're not anybody. I mean, we're a small label. Um, and, and I'm always flattered that so many people reach out to us, but I probably get, um, 10 to 15 requests a month with people just reaching out out of the blue. Hey man, you know, check out my music. I, I love what you guys do. And, um, I generally have to just respond with, man, you know, there's, there's only two of us here and, and there's just not enough time to work with everybody we want to work with, you know? And that's, um, a lot of the stuff, honestly, and it's a shitty thing to say, but, I don't even have the time to listen to, you know, yeah. because there's just so much of it and there's so much that I need to be doing apart from that. Um, but maybe once every two months or three months, yeah. maybe once every two, three months, I'll send Chad something. I'm like, Chad, you need to listen to this. And then we sit and talk yeah. about it. Yeah. What, yeah. It, it, I'm glad you're the filter because <laughs> I mean, it would be overwhelming and it, yeah, it's, it, it, yeah, it, I would say you're, you're probably right at spot on every three to four months. Yeah probably the best like okay this is worth a listen but it's good to point out of all those submissions only one has become a fluff and gravy artist out of how many would you say total oh the uh, out of the blind submissions yeah is it just one yeah i can't think of it son of the velvet rat is the one um and and that was basically son of the velvet rat is a band uh they they live outside of joshua tree but um, they are um, Austrian, and they just very recently moved to the U.S. And in, in, in Austria, they're pretty well-known and, and do very well, and they're trying to establish themselves, and we're est- helping to establish them here in the U.S. But um, that was just a beautiful, well-done well press kit. And I looked at it, and I'm like, there's no way I can't. Mm-hmm. There's no way I can not click on this and listen to it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it was gorgeous it was this record produced by joe henry and it was just it had everything um but yeah i god there has to be somebody else right okay so i know who you're thinking of but but we haven't signed them yet oh well (laughs) well yes 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 but but i mean but certainly there i guess you know there are others like like the horses ha which is um janet bean from freak water um and and 11th dream day um that was she reached out to us directly, but that was, uh, um, she, Morgan gave, Morgan told her to reach out for us and to us. And of course I already was in love with Freakwater and 11th Dream Day. So that was kind of a no brainer. Um, but I guess you're right. Yeah. 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 Every other artist has, has come through us through a connection. Someone who already knew, and John spoke earlier about that, about the, you know, the connection circle getting bigger and bigger and, and, Every artist, aside from Son of the Velvet Rat, has been through that network, that ever-growing network. Sure. That was actually super cool that it, that yeah. it kind of and works that way. So on one hand, it's 
and I don't mean for it to sound discouraging, but you know, we've gotten hundreds of submissions and there's been one yeah. band that we, so, you know, if you are an artist out there and you're sending things to a record label, um, just realize that that is a pretty slim chance. And, Chances are, a lot of the other folks at record labels are like, I don't, I can't even respond to them when they right. when they send me these things. Well, especially when, like you said, you guys are working pretty much as a duo, and Chad's wife is also involved. Right. But, I mean, even for myself, just doing this podcast and getting five inquiries a week or so from different bands about that that want to do the show, you know, like sometimes it's a month before I get around to like listening to tunes, and it's right. just like, sorry, not not trying to be an asshole, but it's just like. It's only it's only me, <laughs> right? Um, where have you guys found uh, the most resistance or, or biggest challenges of what what you're doing with the label? Oh, I mean, I think the biggest the biggest challenge really is trying to make it all work financially. Of course, um, it, this is a really difficult time for the music industry. On one hand, there's more music out there than ever which is great, but it's also a problem because it's more noise to break through, right? Um, people are, you know, I mean, it's old news. People, are, people aren't buying records anymore, you know? And um, people aren't even downloading things from iTunes anymore. It's streaming now, and streaming pays shit, you know? Um, it's, it's criminal what streaming pays. Um, so trying to make this all work financially is is really a difficult thing and and the things that work are um right now what we've been finding is embracing streaming and working with uh spotify through our distributor to try to get bands on playlists because that that's the way you can rack up a hundred thousand or a million spins which actually results in a little bit of money (laughs) Yeah. Um, and um, and licensing, you know, licensing licensing tracks. I mean, w- the thing that kept us alive last year without going under was landing a Hillstomp song in a Coen Brothers movie trailer. That kept us alive for the whole year, you know, and it and it kept Hillstomp alive for a long time. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's um, it's it's a little bit of a shame that that's where you have to go for the money now. Um, but it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you were super kind enough to show me the, the studio that you have here. Um, is that something that is, is helpful in having the label? Is that something that's kind of open to the, the artists on the on the label to to use? Yeah. So so we don't record all of our stuff down in the studio. Um, many of our artists just come to us come to us with a record that's already done and they've got a system and a way that they work and they don't want they don't want to change that which is totally understandable but but yeah the studio um we offer the studio to our musicians at a rate that um is pretty much you know juniana and i are working for less than minimum wage at that point you know um because we we really want our artists not to have to worry about a, a a time limit or things like that um but then the other thing that the studio does at least for me um uh is it the studio is not just for the label. I mean, it's also open to the public and, and that really helps to keep me from needing to go out there and get a job. Um, it's, it's, it's sad that the, 
the studio is bringing in more money than the record label right now. The, the record label is like solvent, you know, it's doing For just sure. fine. It's, it's living off of itself right now, but, but, um, the spending money comes from the studio right now, yeah. you know? And of course the fact that I have a wife that's actually supporting the family, uh, there's, there's no, there's no way that without Jennifer that this could be happening, you know? But it does, you know, it's been, it's six years on now and, um, every year the label is doing better and better. And, um, it may be a viable full-time occupation without any outside help at some point. But right now, um, that's the biggest challenge. It's, 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 it's not, I couldn't raise a family on what we're making from the record label, you know? <laughs> For sure. Um, there's probably, I would imagine not like for for myself and for some listeners out there that might be intrigued or or interested or maybe have that desire to like start a label is there is there any i know you kind of started this just by the seat of your pants but now is there is there anything maybe you could offer those people as as like a way to maybe maybe start on that or is it just all about just finding maybe that one artist initially that you have a lot of passion for and, and trying to push their project as far as possible I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've, I feel like, I feel like if you're doing this for something other than passion, you're, you're in the wrong business. There are easier ways to make money than this. <laughs> um, uh, I, I feel like, you know, and I feel like this is true even with the bands that we work with. These aren't bands that are making music because they want to make music. They're making music because they have to make music because they have, it is, it is, it is so, much a part of their DNA and their soul that doing anything else would be a failure or would make them miserable, you know? Um, so, you know, obviously the whole being involved in the record industry in, 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 at any level is about passion and it's a, it's a labor of love. You know, you have to love what you're doing and you have to, you have to be able to, you know, not look back and question like, geez, maybe I should have taken that job in the construction industry. <laughs> you yeah, know? for sure. Like it's, um, my history is, you know, so I, I, um, I have a doctorate in, um, pharmacy practice. I worked for the drug industry for a long time and made a, made a, a lot of money and didn't feel good about myself, you know? I mean, I went from making well into six figures to making barely into four figures. <laughs> and, and my, and my um, quality of life went up immeasurably. That's awesome. And so it's that kind of thing, you know? It's, I don't do this because I want to. I do this because I feel like I have to do it. Um. Chad, do you have any, like, uh, what's your biggest takeaway from this thing thus far that, that John kind of just got you wrapped up in <laughs> six years ago? I would recommend it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it, it's, it's, it, it has been the most glorious ride of my life. And, and I, wouldn't trade it for, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, honest, uh, the people that I've met, getting to work with John getting to experience music and not just music because let's bring up Nick Jainer right now because that man is an author that man is a podcast the guy's a renaissance man and to be able this is art I would probably not have stumbled upon had this not been the circumstance and you know I've always loved music but I haven't been this close to music 
and for that I'm thank I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. You know, if it all ends tomorrow, I'm still very happy with this decision. You know, it's it, it's it's been a great great time. Oh, it's killer. I don't know. It just comes across so genuine. Just uh. Uh-oh, a little extra pour <laughs> there on the old... The old... A little too much dickle there, John. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be just a trickle of dickle, and it ended up being... It's, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> unofficial sponsor for this podcast is Dickle Rack. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's just so cool to like see uh, that it comes from such a genuine place and just like getting to hang out with you guys. That's super transparent, just comes comes right through in, in the conversation and... Um, I know right now it's just about like building sustainability so you can kind of keep the keep the label going but I know that that fluff and gravy has such a cool reputation around pup around Portland so you know when I got introduced to John at Pickathon like real quick I was walking around with Chris from Vortex and he's just like oh there's John from Fluff and Gravy it's like oh cool man like <laughs> introduce me man <laughs> uh no so it was, it was I definitely didn't want to hesitate at the opportunity to like sit down and, and talk with you guys about what you do because i i think it's it's just fun also to not just always have the musicians on but like the people that that work to to help make that thing like a reality for some people getting out on the road and and making records and whatnot so i appreciate you guys's time yeah i well i and we i'm sure appreciate um just being able to do this and you know like it's been such a cool thing to see um you know there there's there are all kinds of great podcasts popping up all over but in 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 portland great music podcasts in portland and i mean that that's also helpful to us and and to the to the artists and you know i mean i could have a, a whole interview with you being you know but like why why are you doing this and what are you getting out of this and you know like it's but yeah. it, but it, but it all like the system just comes together like and this all we're all supporting each other out here you know yeah absolutely and i mean the short answer is is much like yours it's just like all about just wanting to be a part of it and just having the passion for what's going on around me and just kind of recognizing the talent that's around me is just like how does nobody know about these bands like it just blows right. me away like and i guess that's that's a part of the you know the hard part of getting that maybe national recognition is that there are so many artists all over the place but portland specifically right now just seems to have the most incredible music scene i'm obviously biased because i get to experience that one the most and most involved in that one but it just seems like there's so much cool stuff going on around here as far as musicians and and small labels like yourselves and yeah, it's just a blast to to get to do this. I think to to be as unbiased as I possibly can, it appears like things like this are happening in many places. This this just incredible amount of art coming out. You know, like I, I'm still very much in touch with the Minneapolis scene. That's where I'm, I'm from, Minnesota. John's from Chicago, and go and, Cubs. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and it. Being in touch with that, I see something very similar happening there. I hear of similar things in Austin. I see hear of similar things in Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. You know, and it's just I think it's a really good time to be alive right now and experiencing music and art. It, we're very lucky to be here. There's many reasons to feel like we're unlucky to be here right now in this crazy time, but there's many reasons. Reasons on both sides. Reasons on both sides. Both sides. <laughs> Uh, so we we usually end the the podcast with uh, the guest saying the the tagline, which is uh, "It's a program." 
So if uh, one of you <laughs> would like to take that duty, or if you guys want to, yeah, Chad, Chad's got it. That smile's too okay, good, what, man. What you got Okay, hold on. Okay. Let's hear it. Now, what am I supposed to say? It's a program. It's a program. That was beautiful. He nailed it. Um, yeah, I wanted to get that out of the way just before we, we get into this last track. Um, oh, but also, like, where can where's the best place for people to keep up with what's going on with Fluff and Get Gravy Records? So, um, you know, we're pretty active on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Instagram. Instagram. Uh, Chad Lanning is all about Instagram and, and Twitter. And um, the, You uh, should see my hashtags. As the kids say, oh, do it for the gram. <laughs> so uh, the, Insta- the Instagram feed that we have is also kind of like uh, interwoven with uh, Chad Lanning photography, which is one of Chad's other jobs. Um, it, I mean... Most of the photography that I, that you see with Fluff and Gravy um, is is Chad's, and he's got his own wonderful side business of Chad Landing Photography. But the Instagram feed is really both of those put together. I paid John fifty bucks to say that. Right. You have, you've <laughs> not paid me yet. This is a sponsorship for your take, I'm going to take away your dickle. That was so good. That's great. Um, but so they're kind of interwoven. So not only do you get to keep up on all the fluff and gravy news on Instagram, but you get to see, you get to keep up with all Chad's, um, uh, nature photography is a stupid term, right? Like, what would you call it? Like landscape? <laughs> you, I mean, you're great at ph- photographing like mother nature landscapes and wilderness. And well, usually it's, it's women's butts. Mostly, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Hashtag there's bad a few. Ass. No, there isn't. There's no, well, okay, there's a yeah, few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have some news for you. Pour some more dickle, John. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, so so the the Instagram feed is great because you get a lot of great photographic art, and um, and the Twitter feed. But uh, we've also got fluffandgravy.com and um, and we've got our Bandcamp site. If you're uh, if you're looking to if you're looking to buy some music and hear some great stuff, awesome. Uh, we're gonna play it out with uh, a tune from Jeffrey Martin, and uh, he's putting out a new record as well pretty soon. Or is it just the, the single out thus far? The single is out now. The record's gonna be out on October thirteenth, and um, man, Jeffrey's just another one of those guys where where like you know. I don't. I don't know anybody that has gone to see Jeffrey play, and um, has has not walked away a changed person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I had a friend. I invited this close friend out to see him at the press club. He played with Vasilando. Oh, Vasilando. Yes. Oh, yes, Vasilando. And um, she had to leave after three songs because she she started crying. She had to leave. Yeah, man. loved it that that much, and it was that immediate. So, Jeffrey, if you're listening, you you may that may not be a great thing that people yeah. have to turn off maybe, your music after three songs because take it back a little bit. Maybe <laughs> Dollar wait, back a notch, wait, man. Maybe spread those songs out. Maybe that's not the set list. <laughs> I have not gotten the opportunity to see Jeffrey play yet, but I have seen those Rye Room sessions. And shout out to Matt Greco because yes. he's doing a really awesome job with those Rye Room man, sessions. No and that's just like another awesome thing going on in this Portland community right now. Uh, yeah, man. I, especially like that Billy Burroughs song that we're going to play it out with. Uh, yeah, I just get the same feelings listening to him and, as I do when I when I hear like I don't know those like Nathaniel Rateliff solo albums before right, right. the Night Sweats thing happened, and then one of my favorite 
guys right now is Jason Isbell. Yes. And there's there's not many people that that make me feel the way that that Jason Isbell does with those with his words and I don't know, I just get I, those I'm, same feelings when I'm when I'm hearing Jeffrey. I'm so glad that you put those two artists together in the same because um Junie doesn't care so much for the for the country side of things, not that Jason Isbell is, but in listening to the lyrical quality of what Jeffrey and Jason do, it's it's that immediacy. My wife and I are not lyrical people. We're first the first thing we hear is the music. But in both with both those artists and and really only those two artists. Okay, there's Bob Dylan that can reach through and there's but it's that, just that immediately floored on the first listen. Yeah. You know, it, it, and it's just it, it, I'm so glad that you put Jason Or even Isbell like first into, line, yeah. like songs like yeah, Cover Me Up yeah, from Jason Isbell yeah. like Billy Burroughs, man. Like yeah. I mean if <laughs> any one of your podcast listeners turns this song off once they've heard we the first line, we once they've heard the f- <laughs> once they've heard the first line, like I, I don't trust them as a human. No, no, we don't. We don't. No, no, you're right. We don't. We don't need those people listening right. to the podcast. You heard it. That's straight from John. We don't need you. <laughs> no, it's just like yeah, incredible, and I really need to get out to to see him and Anna. I haven't had an opportunity to see her either, and and she also has like a really awesome ride room sessions, but. Yeah, man. When I when I he gets a line or two in, and I'm just like, this is over. Like I'm right. I'm falling apart right now, sir. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's all fall apart together. Yeah, awesome. Thank you guys so much for for hanging out with me. I really appreciate it, and uh, I'm stoked to, uh, to dive deeper into the the Fluff and Gravy Records catalog, and, and stoked to see some more shows. And hope to just see you guys around more often, and, and yeah, just more people I can just like oh there's the guys <laughs> but uh yeah people check this check what out what is going on on the uh, fluff and gravy roster it's all kinds of different kinds of music like you were saying and uh that'd be it this is uh jeffrey martin with billy burroughs check it out catch you on the flip side portland i remember where i was when i first read William Burroughs shot his lover dead Put a highball glass on top of her head And missed And I wonder if he knew it right then or if it took a while to sink in That he would never come back again Not from this Baby, sit still and close your eyes It's only of a good time Baby, sit still and close your eyes It's only the price of a good
Well, I heard he hopped a boat to the east Looking for that opium release And hiding from that final scene With his next fit And all Jack's horses and Ginsburg's men Couldn't put him back together again He was broken by the weight of his sin And his pen Baby, sit still and close your eyes It's only the price of a good time Baby, sit still and close your eyes It's only the price of a good time It's a program.